Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. All right, let's give our attention now to the reading of God's Holy Word. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 28. Uh, I've been uh, reading, spending time in the Psalm this summer, and I'll be preaching from verse 9. But first, let me read uh, the whole Psalm. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of His hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. Oh, save your people. Bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. All men are like grass, their glory like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray now and ask God's blessing upon His preached Word. Let's say, Father, as we come again this week um, to be ministered to by Your Word, again this week in this unique setting of recording a sermon in advance and the uniqueness of all of this, the complexities of all this, we pray through the power of Your Holy Spirit that You literally would do only that which You can do. Father, would You affect our hearts Draw us near to you, Lord Jesus. Would you grow our faith? Father, in these very uncertain and unsettling times, oh God, would you reveal yourself to be our rock? And we pray that you would do this now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Well, in my own personal prayer life, I feel like I have adopted a phrase. I just use it in my prayer, and I find that it's on the tip of my tongue typically now as I pray. And it is a refrain that goes something like this. Oh, Lord, will you do what only you can do? Part of me feels like that, that's a bit of a cop-out with a prayer of just like, gosh, I don't know what to pray for, so I'll just hand it to you, Lord. But the other part of me thinks that that's actually a pretty theologically accurate prayer. Lord, I don't know what to do, so I just hand it to you. Oh, Lord, will you do what only you can do? I'm not sure where I heard that. I probably got it from another preacher listening to someone else pray. But I have to admit, I kind of like it. And over the course of the last few months, I feel like I've been using this same prayer over and over and over again. I think this refrain is a bit of a combination of personal humility and truly the belief in God's unique power. This prayer really does say, Lord, I can't fix certain things. There are things that are way too big for me. You do what only you can do. But it also admits that I really do believe that there is a God who can do things, a God who is powerful, a God who can fix all problems. He can do it. So as we think about the events of the past week and certainly of the last few months, uh, let me encourage us all, we are halfway through, almost halfway through 2020. Uh, but as this year continues, and we continue to see the reality that we long for the day when the perfect, holy, good will of Jesus Christ is fully established all over the face of the earth. Remember, that is what we long for. That is what we pray for. When we see all that is around us, our own personal brokenness, the shame and despair of our own stories, a worldwide pandemic, the reality of hatred all throughout our land, the needs of those who are in poverty, the cries of our African-American brothers and sisters, political division which seems to only intensify day after day after day. You put all these things together, even of what we have seen just in this year, and we're back to the same place. Lord, would you do what only you can do? So with this thought in mind, I invite you to return to Psalm 28. And it's with this prayer, a sense that we see King David giving us some clues into what it is that the Lord can do. As I mentioned, I've been spending time this summer uh, meditating, reading, trying to memorize portions of Psalm 28. It's been good for my soul. And in verse 9, I want to highlight a few things in just a moment uh, that I sense that, that this is what the Lord does. When He answers the prayer, do what only you can do, here are some things in which He does. Very briefly, let me put this into context. If, if you're familiar with King David, he penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this was a time when David was fleeing for his life. It probably was a time when his son Absalom was trying to kill him. Perhaps it was earlier in his life when King Saul was trying to kill him. But either way, when you hear these words, you hear the words of a man who is physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted. He was worn out, and he was in trouble. So here you have God's man, a man that God loved, the man that God had set his affection upon. And here on this earth, he needed the Lord to do things. I think the passion of this song is highlighted in verse 1, where he tells his God, Do not be deaf to me. 
And we know, of course, that the Lord was not deaf, but it felt that way to David. Verse 2, he says, hear the voice of my pleas, meaning there's an audible cry out to the Lord where he is pleading for the Lord to intervene. Again, here's a child of God purchased by the Lord himself in desperate need of the God of the universe, the same God who had loved him for all time, the same God who had redeemed him, the same God who had answered prayer after prayer, who had delivered him time after time after time throughout his lifetime, and now he needs the Lord again. But for David, and perhaps for you this morning, the Lord seems silent. It seems as if he does not hear the pleas of his child. And there is an ache in the soul of David, and you can feel it and sense it as you read these words. He desperately needs the help which only God can provide, because nothing would be worse than to know that there is a God in heaven and that He is not listening to us. We see in the remainder of the psalm that David fears of falling like evil people of being swept away with the wicked, of going down into the pit, that is, into a place of despair where he might even give in to temptation himself and fall. But then in verses 6 and 7, we see great hope emerge in David's heart and his life. He's reminded of the fact that God has indeed heard his prayers in the past, and he has answered them. He's reminded of the fact that the Lord today is his strength, The Lord is his rock. And then in verse 7, he gives praise to the Lord, even though he does not yet know how the Lord will unveil and change these circumstances. He promises himself unto the Lord that he will rejoice in song over what he knows that the Lord is going to do. Whether he experiences healing now or later, he will give praise to the Lord. And here he is in the midst of trouble. His heart is reminded of all that the Lord has done previously in his life. And there is a level of confidence that emerges in him. And now, look again at verse 9. Again, this is what I want to focus on this morning for just a few minutes. It feels as if verse 9 of Psalm 28 is an addendum to the prayer. It's almost as if it feels like it doesn't belong here. It doesn't seem to fit like the rest of the prayer. And notice something very unusual takes place. David has been in a personal journey, a struggle for his own faith, a crisis, if you will, of his own faith. But then at the end, he goes from a personal plea to now he is praying for everyone. The I statements transition to them. The me, the my focus to the Lord now has been converted to where I'm thinking about everyone else. He is now praying for everyone who also calls out to the Lord. So again, this morning in the spirit of, Oh God, do what only you can do. Again, I think David gives us a hint of what the Lord often will do when he alone acts. So, TCPC, people of Christ... As we look at our city, as we look at our nation, as we look at our church, what can we hope for when the Lord answers this prayer? When He does what only He can do, what might the Lord do? And I want to use these simple uh, words 
the English translation here, verse 9, and these four things, see what only the Lord can do. Let me highlight four things. First, the Lord alone can save us. David prays here, save your people. Please note, there's nothing unclear about what these words mean. The people of God, until Jesus Christ himself returns, will face issues and problems which require deliverance beyond what you can do in and of yourself. With all the gifts, with all the power, with all the skills that you may have, there are certain things that you cannot do. Again, this is a plea based in humility. David has recognized, I cannot do something. Oh God, I need you to do it. It is a giving up on the determining of our own specific plans and crying out, God, our enemies are here. They are at the door. What are we to do now? What am I to do now? Typically, I think when we hear this prayer, save us, maybe we're thinking about our own personal sin and our personal salvation and the reality of the fact that we need our sins forgiven. And, and of course, that is true. But what I think we see here very specifically is here is a man on this earth running for his physical life, where he is emotionally in pain, where he is spiritually exhausted. And he is saying, save me, deliver me from a very real and present enemy. Again, brothers and sisters of TCPC, I know our demographics well this morning. How most of us have not been personally, physically impacted by the events of the past week. Or for that extent, most of us have not been physically, personally affected by the pandemic. But again, think about the heart of David's prayer. Remember the transition of verse 9. He's no longer praying just for himself, but now his prayers have broadened to everyone else. Because he knows of God's grace, he can now personally pray for everyone and everywhere, for all of those who have been redeemed by Christ. So you see this morning that there's a fact that we have brothers and sisters in Christ here in this city, throughout our state, throughout this world, who are in physical need now, who are in emotional need now, who are hurting this morning. So when we pray, oh God, do what only you can do, and this may surprise you, but the answer to that prayer very well may be that now we are praying for people that we don't even know. And we are asking God to deliver them. You see, when one member of a family hurts, we all hurt. We know that's true. So thus, when one part of Christ's body hurts, we all are to grieve. See, as we follow Jesus, we follow Him with all of our brothers and sisters. So we pray this morning, Oh God, will you save your people today? Those who are ill, those who are financially impacted, those who are scared, those who are victimized, all those who have been persecuted, we all are in need of your deliverance. So what can the Lord do? The Lord can save us. The second thing we, we see here that David mentions 
is that the Lord can bless us. And very specifically, he says he can bless his heritage. And this prayer is so rich, and we won't spend much time here, but just consider again the heart of David as he prays for God's people. For God to do what only he can do is to bring about his blessing. And it's not just for himself, but it is for the heritage of God's people. The heritage is the entirety of those who will ever know of Christ. Millions upon millions upon millions of people that we will not know apart from when the Lord returns. And yet this prayer is one individual praying collectively for us all. You know what to bless means? It is to receive goodness. Only God can do that. You know what America needs? We need the goodness of God. We have seen it. We have tasted it. We need to be reminded from which it comes. See, God's goodness is goodness which cannot be manufactured. His goodness is that blessing which is possible even in the midst of a sickness. God's blessing, His goodness comes when there is a horrible diagnosis that no one wanted to hear. God's blessing, His goodness comes, which it's experienced even in the midst of persecution, even when we have been sinned against. To be blessed by God is to receive goodness that is supernatural. It's what we cannot have in and of ourselves. The goodness of God transcends all of our efforts. If you study the word blessing, the concept of blessing, it is traced from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the very end. It's kind of the opposite of God's kingdom. Wherever His kingdom goes, His blessing follows. So we as individuals here this morning at TCPC and as a church, we can pray for God's blessing on all those who know Him because only God can do this. You know, we have tried time after time after time. We all have to produce our own goodness, and we just can't get it right. It will never last apart from Him. We need the supernatural. So what can God do? God can save us. God can give us His blessing. And then thirdly, I want to spend a little bit more time on this one. God can shepherd us. Again, David's request to the Lord is that He would be our shepherd, our universal, worldwide, for all time, shepherd. The need for God's people in times of crisis is for Him to come in such a supernatural way that when He is our shepherd, there are at least two things that happen. This word recognizes that one, that God will feed us, and two, that God would rule over us. That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd takes care of his sheep in such a way that all of their needs are provided for, and then he moves them in the direction that he wants them to go. Let your imagination run wild of a shepherd with a sheep. They have all of their needs, and they are going in a particular direction. If you think about it, consider just for a moment the theme of shepherding in Scripture. This is the picture of a perfect father to his children, the one who provides and the one who gives loving counsel to lead. Here we see in Psalm 23, 
also by King David, that the Lord is my shepherd. And then, of course, when Jesus enters into the story of redemption, he calls himself the good shepherd. And before his ascension, he gave the task to Peter and to the other apostles to shepherd God's flock. You see, I think this prayer is at the heart of every church that truly loves and follows Jesus Christ. That what we are in need of is for God's shepherding to take place. Provision and counsel. Again, you know what our nation needs? It's the same thing that the kingdom of God provides. We need shepherds to point us increasingly to the cross of Jesus Christ. We need the cross of Jesus to be lifted high, where people would see the abundant life that Jesus offers, that His Word would be fully explained so that the cross would be known and loved by all. That is what we need. That is shepherding. Now, I encourage you to think about it for a moment. You know, Robert's sermon last week was so powerful as he dealt, he, he preached uh, quickly on Saturday uh, in response to all that was taking place. If, if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to do so. But he preached on the reality of just the, the complexities of blacks and whites loving each other the way that the Lord has instructed us to do so. It was not an easy sermon for him to preach, and perhaps it wasn't an easy sermon for you to hear. But what happened in that moment was God's appointed under-shepherd of this congregation to preach the Word. He provided what we needed to hear. He led us in a particular direction. And He did that by caring for us in a way that is good. That's the role of a shepherd for the souls of the people here at TCPC. When we ask God to do what only He can do... Do you see that that prayer is a prayer to change us? It's not just a prayer to get what we want, because what we want is often not what the Lord would have for us. When God answers this prayer, He raises up under shepherds, those people who will teach the Word, explain the Word, preach the Word, pastors, teachers, evangelists, campus workers, and on and on and on, counselors, to proclaim God's Word in truth and goodness, that the grace of God would be alive and show us the person of Christ. So I ask you this morning, do you love God's Word? If you do, then it will be changing you. Jesus prayed, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers to enter into this harvest field. Only what God can do is to raise up people who will proclaim truth and that our lives are changed as a result. I hope this morning that that's what you want, that you want to go in the direction of Christ. You know, I heard a sermon this past week just in the midst of all the chaos by one of my spiritual heroes in the faith, a man named Crawford Loretz. Not someone that I know personally, but he's a, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and I've just always respected him and, and um, uh, cherish a lot of his ministry. And, and what he had to say on, on race issues was, was really, really good for me. 
You see, when, when we are shepherded by God and we're, we, we transition from not, not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about others, we recognize that, that just calling ourselves Christians is not enough. We're called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's not enough just to believe that the Bible is true. Rather, we let it shape us. It's not enough just to be pro-life. We're to be people who are actively protecting the innocent. It's, it's not enough just to not be racist. We are to be against racism. You see the difference? One of these is just a position that we hold. The other is a passion that holds us. Passion involves pleading with God and being actively involved in His kingdom. One is something that is passive. The other is something that is active. When God shepherds us, He is taking us in a direction toward Him, toward what is good, what is true about all of His holy will. Are you prepared to grow and to be changed, to become more like Him? God loves you enough to shepherd you. He provides for you. He cares for you. So God alone can save us. He can take us out of our trouble. He can bless us. He alone can send supernatural good. He will shepherd us. He will change us and move us in a good direction. And then lastly, uh, the final part of this prayer is that God alone can carry us. I love this last phrase so much. David's final words here of this benediction, he asks that the Lord uh, will, will not just give this deliverance of blessing and shepherding. They, these all focus on the enemies. But then there's a simple final line here of this prayer that sums up what I think he has been praying the entire time. It's essentially this. Lord, will you just pick us up and carry us? God, will you do it? Will you do beyond what I am able to do? Again, this picture of total humility. God, we need help. We can't do this. And a picture of confidence that, yes, he's going to do it. We, we have a new dog in the Randall family. Uh, he, he actually belongs to my daughter, uh, but he's been quarantined with us for the last few months, and I have kind of uh, claimed him as my own. Uh, he is an eight-month-old chow, and his name is Hagrid. Uh, if you're familiar with Harry Potter, you know that Hagrid is a big, bushy, hairy kind of guy, and this chow looks just like him. He's 50 pounds, and it seems like most of it is just fur. There is one major problem with Hagrid, and if we're just being completely honest, he's a terrible dog. Uh, we joke, he, uh, he kind of teaches us about the Father's love for us in Christ, that uh, we love him, but it's not because he's good. In fact, there's really nothing good about him. His nickname in our house is the Holy Tornado, because that's what he is. He completely wreaks havoc almost all day everywhere in our neighborhood and inside our home a lot. We love him. We like him, but it's not because he deserves it. Every single day at some point, one of us has to catch him. Either he's broken out into the yard, he's in the garbage can, he's in the bushes, he's somewhere that he's not supposed to be. And we have to grab him, 
pick him up, all 50 pounds of him, and carry him back inside and put him down where for a few minutes he's able to thrive. In a small sense, there's an aspect that we shepherd him. We physically move him. We carry him to get him to a place where he can temporarily enjoy his life. Again, I think this picture clarifies David's hope of the Lord and for all of us. Lord, pick us up. Carry us. Move us into the place where we are productive for you. We don't know what we are doing. We constantly move in the wrong direction. We're prone to choose unwisely. So will you, Lord Jesus, carry us. Will you carry your people? I remind us all this morning that we are one people, one faith, one baptism, one hope. We go with him. Our hope and our prayer is that he will take us. Oh, Lord, carry us. Carry us. So this morning, let me just encourage you in your faith. I would love for the application of this sermon to be for you to pray for the Lord to do what only He could do in your heart, in your home, in your family, in our church, and throughout our city. But as you pray, you be encouraged by this. The one to whom you pray, Jesus Christ, when He was in His biggest need on this earth, He prayed for deliverance and He did not receive it. He desired God's goodness, His blessing, and He did not receive it. He wanted a shepherd, and he did not receive it. And then he was put upon a cross that was carried for him, where he suffered, where he died. And because of this death and his burial and his resurrection, we are now made his brothers and sisters. So, church, call out to his Father in his name. Pray that he will bring about healing and hope like we have never imagined before. I wish we were coming now to the Lord's table, but we cannot do that yet. But there is coming a time when we will. But for now, let's ask him to do what only he can do.